So obviously today I wanted to talk about punctuation. Um, you guys might not actually know this, um, but the, the, the title of the sermon today is colon, full stop, semicolon, dot, 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 which is ellipsis. Okay? Um, I hope you really enjoyed that. Um, get, your note, get your pens out, get your paper out, um, start drawing punctuation right now. Um, that, that'll be really great. I've already lost everyone in the room. This is excellent. This is going to be a great time. Um, but actually, the message today, um, what I wanted to call it is, it's not over yet. Okay? Um, something that you guys probably don't know about me is I'm actually, um, I trained as an English and linguistics major. Okay? Which basically means I've got a really, really unhealthy interest with words. Okay? Um, I was an English major, I was a linguistics major, I'm the kind of guy who makes jokes like, um, Hitler's speechwriter is gr- literally a grammar Nazi. Like, I find that hilarious, and every time I think about it, or if you clean a vacuum cleaner, you become a vacuum cleaner, or if you look after baby chickens, that literally makes you a chicken tender. Like, I'm the person that, if someone says, I literally died, I'll be the one that goes, no, you didn't. No, if you literally died, we would have buried you, there would have been a funeral, it would have been really sad. You didn't literally die, okay? Um... So please don't literally put yourself here today either. Anyway, thank you for that. Oh, I've got one one joke. Thanks, Mr. Squats. All right. Hey, um, so I actually really like that kind of stuff. Um, believe it or not, the thing that I'm actually trained in is I'm a I'm a trained dictionary writer. Um, so I'm, I'm actually fully qualified to write dictionaries. So um, go through the um, go through the syntax. Go through the um, the etymological background, I can, I can take back the word cool up to the original, like, stem language. Like, I, did, I wrote a 20,000 word essay on the history of cool when I was at uni. Alright, so as, as you guys are probably aware, like, the ladies were lighting up. Like, they, they loved it. You know, um, it was really good. So funny that someone that was interested in words still has foot and mouth foot in mouth disease today, not foot and mouth, that's something completely different. Keep your kids away from me if I have that. But um But the thing is is that words are important. Not only are words important, I don't know if you know or not, but punctuation's actually really important as well. And the way that punctuation is used is actually to show relationship between things, alright? So I'm gonna give you like a three-minute English lesson. I, I'm, I'm a trained English teacher. I'm actually qualified to do this. I'm going to give you a three-minute English lesson, which you may or may not want to tune in for. It's okay if you don't want to tune in for it. If you do tune in, you'll actually get something out of it, okay? So it's not just for no reason, okay? So um, anyway, I want to give you a punctuation lesson about colon, full stop, semicolon, and dot, 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 which is also known as ellipsis, okay? So just remember those words. I've already, okay, I've at least got 20% of the people in the room going, yeah, okay, I'll come with you. Ruben, he's been been studying level one NCA English. He's like, when, where were you three weeks ago when I needed this stuff? (laughs) All right. So you've you've got a colon, right? So a colon is dot, dot. So basically what happens with a colon is when you get two different bits of a sentence, it shows the relationship between those two bits. Okay, so it's used to show the relationship between two separate clauses. Clauses are just a fancy word for bits of the sentence, okay? So you've got this bit of the sentence. Dot, dot means how it relates to this bit of the sentence. So a colon is about relationship, okay? 
So colon is about? Amazing. Okay. All right. Thank you for coming with me at least for a second. All right. Then we've got full stop, right? Full stop is the muscled up bully of punctuation, okay? So it's the end of a sentence, the end of a paragraph, the end of a story. Once you get a full stop, it is over. It is done, baby. All right? doesn't have to be anything else after that. You use it like a knife to cut sentences into sizes of your length, uh, the sizes of your choice, length of your choice, right? But it needs to be fully self-contained for it to be grammatically correct, okay? So full stop is like a knife. It cuts stuff, in stuff, done, over, about to talk about something else, okay? Semicolon, okay, which is the dot and the comma. Basically, it's like the full stop's little brother, okay? So basically what happens is you've got a bit of a sentence, then you've got a semicolon, dot, comma. What comes after that is actually related to the first bit, but it changes the first bit. So it's like, um, James stutters often, semicolon, but after going to Bible college for a year, he's now super confident and single. <laughs> All right? Semicolon. So what happens after the semicolon actually changes what happens in the first. It was like this, but then, and then, because of this, like something changes about what comes before because of the semicolon, right? So if, if, if you change the semicolon to a full stop, that sentence would normally be okay all by itself, right? Okay. Finally, we have my favorite piece of my favorite piece of punctuation. It's called the ellipsis. What a great name. It, it sounds like it does sound like a chewing gum um, brand. The ellipsis. Lips teeth tip of the tongue. It sounds like something that you do before you like. Joseph sounds like he'd be saying ellipsis five times before he starts singing for worship. You know, ellipsis, 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 ellipsis. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Like it's that kind of thing going on, all right? Ellipsis is great. Dot, dot, dot. It's used in two different ways, right? It's got multiple uses. It basically, when it's used in the middle of a sentence, it cuts out stuff that's extra information that doesn't change what the sentence means. So it actually covers like... Shannon tells me that I talk a lot, and quite often she'll talk over me in the middle because she thinks I'm done, but actually I just use ellipsis in conversation all the time. So I'll be going dot, dot, dot. Shannon will go, oh, you're done speaking, and she'll talk over me, and it frustrates me all the time, but actually I'm, I'm the guy that goes dot, dot, dot. All the men in the room are like, ellipsis, that's what I've been doing, darling. Check it out. You need to write this down, okay? At the end of a sentence, it's really cool because there's two really cool things that ellipsis can be used for. It can be used for awkward silences, <laughs> much like this, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Um, or actually, it can be used for, hey, you get my drift. Or it can be used for, hey, just so you know, you know, there's, it's not finished, it's not over, it's not complete. Okay, so there's my punctuation lesson. Um, so, semi, uh, colon, Punctuate, uh, colon, full stop, semicolon, dot, dot, dot. Thanks so much, guys. Hope you got a lot out of that. Um, yep, um, that was my Greek Hebrew word search. You guys are probably sitting there going, like, what's the point? Why would you even tell us about this? 
to be honest, I, I don't really know. Well, like I do now, that I've thought about it a bit more. But over at schoolies, over in Red Frogs, um, in the week afterwards, it was actually a really heavy week. And one of the things that often happens at Red Frogs um, in the few days afterwards is I don't actually really dream all that often. Like I'm living the dream, so I don't need to dream at night. <laughs> no, um, like I don't actually dream all that often. So that when I dream, it's vivid, it's in living colour. Like I, I don't really dream unless it's like strong God dreams, like, which is really super handy for me. So, it sucks to go to bed and wake up and not have dreams. But it's really cool because when I do dream, super vivid. Anyway, so I had this dream. Okay? And basically the dream was over and over and over again. Um, God was just downloading to me. And this doesn't often happen. Normally, if I get a message together, I have to sweat for it. I have to do things like open my Bible. I have to read a lot of John Piper. If I'm really feeling super, you know, if I'm really feeling super stressed out, you know, I'll um, open a concordance or something like that. If you ever hear me actually use a Greek word, like out of Strong's concordance, yeah, like, I genuinely didn't know what to do at that point in the service, so I was like, you know, okay, we're not going to give away all my secrets. But I had this dream, and the dream was actually, <laughs> time and again, I just got this punctuation, um, colon, full stop, semicolon, ellipsis, and I'm like, God, what does that mean? And he actually, like, fully peeled it out for me. He goes, this is my relationship to you guys. I'm like... Oh, great, thanks. I'll write that down and I'm going to call it colon, <laughs> full stop, semicolon, ellipsis. That'll, that'll be great. The church will really love it. And actually, he, he was really gracious because um, he peeled it out. I don't know where you are on your journey. I don't know if you've had the best year. I don't know if you've had the worst year. But I've come here today and I believe God's wanting to tell you today. Thanks to this punctuation that we're going to go through. Your story's not over yet. Your story's not done yet. You are not done yet. I know for sure that the best is yet to come. So, you might be going, well, what does that mean? <laughs> One thing that I learned uh, when I was looking for symbols is that if you're going to look for a colon symbol, you actually need to put punctuation afterwards. Because what happens is if you just put colon in, this comes up! <laughs> So, that, so I, I typed in colon, um, you know, all my safe search, you know, I've got accountability partners ringing me going, why are you looking this stuff up? Um, but hey, it, it's colon. Um, just out of interest, something interesting that I found that was actually number two story. Um, this is in Kansas last week, there was actually a $4,000 inflatable colon stolen from a Kansas City fair. Um, so if you've seen this... Um, could you please let the authorities know because they're still looking for it. So anyway, so please don't look up colon. Um, finally found this. Okay, sorry. That, um. Oh, that's okay. If it's your first time here, it's okay. I actually generally do have a point and stuff, but I'll tell a lot of jokes on the way. It's all right. Okay, I am a Christian. Um, I, I'll respond to my own older calls just to be sure at the end of the day. Colon. Okay, dot, dot how one thing relates to another thing. See, the thing about a colon and the thing that I wanted, that God wants to tell you guys today is that he chooses how he relates to us. God chooses how to relate to us. At the start of the Bible, his choice and the way that he chose to relate to us was actually hanging out in a garden. 
chatting in the evening. Probably pretty similar to what we'd genuinely choose to do on a Friday night or Saturday night, hanging out in the garden, chatting with friends, food, stuff like that. That's how he chooses to relate to us. It's that whole idea of God with us, God Emmanuel. Okay? Um, and the great thing is, is that he chooses to relate to us no matter what our situation, no matter what our circumstance, no matter the good, the bad, the indifferent that we've done in our lives. How do I know this? Well, see, Romans 8, verse 38 and 39 tells me, for I am sure, so that's no doubt, fully confident, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present or things to come, so stuff that we've done in the past, stuff that we're doing now, stuff that we're going to do in the future, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. So literally nothing that we can do would separate us from the love of Jesus. Like basically our lifestyle would have to look like I run from Jesus and keep running all my life to try and keep away from him. But it doesn't matter where we go, he's still there hanging out with us. Well, what about this here, Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is in your midst, so he's with us. He's not far away, he's close. A mighty one who will save, he will rejoice over you with gladness. So not only is he hanging out with you, he's not angry, he's not angry island mum God with the jandal. <laughs> Don't you do that. <laughs> like, that's not who God is. He's not angry Thor type God with the lightning bolts and the... And the hammer, that's Thor, that's the Greek god pantheon, slightly different flavor. He's not ready to hit you with the hammer, he's not ready to hit you with the belt. He loves you and he's in your midst. He will rejoice over you with gladness, he will quiet you by his love, he will exult over you with loud singing. So you imagine God singing over your life. Not only does he relate to you, not only does he want to hang out with you, but he chooses to celebrate you as well. That's pretty powerful. Like, if we actually just get a hold of how God wants to relate to us, it'll change the way that we live our life. God's not angry. He's not mad. He chooses to celebrate you. He chooses to celebrate the good in your life. That's amazing. So it looks something like this. Going for a walk, hanging out in the garden, having a yarn. Right? It's a good relationship. That's a good relationship. See, the, God, the picture that God paints of that, the colon, colon God, the, the punctuation colon God, is just hanging out in the garden. How good is that? That makes prayer easy, hey, if you're just hanging out in the garden. That makes reading your Bible easy because it's just hanging out in the garden. Hey, God, what do you want to chat about today? It doesn't have to be about Greek word studies every single time. It makes that discipline so much easier. See, the thing is, though, and you guys know the story. At some stage or another, we thought we could go it alone. It's that full stop. We thought that we were fully self-contained. Remember, full stop, just like, it's okay, I got this, full stop. It's okay, I'm happy with my wee world, full stop, right? We thought we could go it alone. We thought we had it all together. We believed the lie that we weren't born for community. And we were wrong. All of us have that story, that full stop moment. For some of us, it's like a full stop where we go... I got it, I got it, I got it, I don't got it. <laughs> or for some of us, we find ourselves stuck in the same place, going over the same mistake over and over and over again. 
See, for others, it can be a deep, dark hole, like this hole that you've fallen into. Man, you don't know my situation. You don't know my circumstance. There's no way that God can redeem where I am right now. Man, we see the black spot that we feel we can't recover from. For some of us, we can only see the black spot. It's like everything else in our life is great apart from this one area, and all we can see is that one area. Um, Something that I wanted to just mention briefly, I'm not going to focus on it. If you've got an issue with pornography, if you've got an issue with sexual sin, that's actually only one area of your life. That doesn't stop you from having a great relationship with God. In fact, that's a great reason to run to God rather than run away from Him. Because that's that's a black spot. That's not the whole page. Does that make sense? Anyway, someone needed to hear that today. Statistically speaking, 50% of everyone needed to hear that today. Um, Anyway. (laughs) So um, So we end up trying to go it alone. We end up trying to walk alone. Um, We think that we don't have it together, so we don't want to pull other people into our mess. But we're not created for that. We're created for relationship. We're the the colon, not the full stop, yeah? So, this piece of punctuation has become really super popular. Um, If you want to look up the semicolon movement, it's um, it's actually an amazing thing that's happened, um, particularly in the last four or five years, um, around the idea of um, like the semicolon movement is essentially around the idea of it's for people that thought that their life was over but as it turned out there was still more to come that their story wasn't over yet and so I'm not appropriating this and I wanted to be very careful that I, I don't steal something that's really great and is really powerful particularly for people that are struggling with self-harm and thoughts of suicide and stuff like that but I did want to make the connection between we thought our, at some stage, all of us in this room thought our lives were over. All of us thought that our, this is it for our life, that we've already hit our peak, that you know, this is either as good as it was going to get, be, uh, this is either as good as it was going to get, or it's going to be as bad as this forever. Like we, we've all had those moments, yeah. A semicolon is used when an author could have chosen to end their sentence but chose not to. See, the thing is, is that. When it comes to semicolons, <laughs> we thought that we could go it alone, but we couldn't, and we ended up with this full stop in our lives. The great thing is, is that God turns our full stop into a semicolon. Mm. He takes us out of our mess, yeah. and just with one touch, just with one flick of his wrist, just with one word sometimes, our lives change and our story continues. See, um, too often we underestimate the power of a touch, a smile, a kind word, a listening ear, an honest compliment, or the smallest act of caring, all of which have the potential to turn a life around. I can confidently, assuredly tell you today that you have encouraged someone, that you have lifted someone out, that you have changed someone's life because of a touch, because of a hug, because of a kind word when they needed it, and you didn't even realize you changed their lives. So if we live our life not only when we see people in their mess, if we live our life when we see people who need a comma, who need an encouragement, who need a kind word, we can change every single person's life that we come across. Because a life often doesn't change 180 degrees, it changes by degrees. Does that make sense? So if you can change someone's life by one degree, they end up with a completely different destination. We all go through stuff. 
and it can be overwhelming. Fortunately, God made a way when in their own strength there was no way. I don't know about you, but I can't do, I can't do life without God. I can't do life without having a saviour that loves me. There's, there's areas in my life that are weak that I actually need Jesus to work in my life. So the great thing is, is that there's promises about that as well. Isaiah 43, verse 1 to 3. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. See, if you feel like you're on the outside today, God's calling you home. He's calling you, he's telling you that you are a part of, that you're in, that you belong. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. So that's Isaiah 43, verse 1 to 3. See, the thing is, and this is what I wanted to point to today, is that for everyone, God made a way for us. Yeah? A way for us to find relationship, to override and cover all that came before. He actually rewrote our story. He rewrote the story that began before time began. He, he was part of a rescue mission story that started with Christmas and a child in a manger. And it continued to Easter and an innocent man on the cross. And then finally, it's right up to a story that's being written and rewritten even now. Your story is being written and rewritten even now. See, I grew up in a, um, I grew up with a school, in a school of theological thought that was basically everything that you're going to do in your lifetime is going to happen, and like it was ordained that it was predestined before the start of the earth. But that meant that it took free choice and free will out of the equation. But actually, if you're in a, if you're in a process where your story is being written and rewritten through the choices that you're making, there's hope there. There's always hope. Your story is always redeemable, yeah? That's what Christmas is all about. And so it leads to this. The ellipsis. See, the thing is, is for all of us, if we choose to follow Jesus, um, there's actually this bit in our story which just becomes dot, dot, dot. All of your sin, all of your shame, all of the stuff that you've been beating yourself up over for months and months and years and years, and for some of us, probably decades, it becomes dot, dot, dot. Why does it become dot, dot, dot? Because the original plan, the original relationship was us hanging out in the garden with God, having a yarn. So thanks to Christmas, thanks to Jesus dying on the cross for us, all of that stuff that we beat ourselves over the head with, all of that guilt that we carry around, actually becomes dot, dot, dot. It's covered. Because the original meaning of the sentence, the original meaning of our lives was not, we were born, we did bad stuff, we died. The original meaning of our lives was, we were born, we hung out in relationship together, and we hung out some more. Dot, dot, dot. That's our story. Even now, I don't know if you've had the best year or the worst year, even now, your story is dot, dot, dot. See, the rest is um, Natasha Bedingfield. Um, I'm not going to sing the song. Please don't make me sing the song. But um, she, she talks about your life as a storybook, and she talks about how the rest is still unwritten. There's a lyric that she uses, which I've always found really hopeful. Because for me, that messes me up, because with the school of thought that I grew up in, it was like, no, you were either in or you're out, and it was decided before the start of time, which actually is really weird and quite cruel when you think about it. 
when actually your story's still unwritten. The great thing is, is that your story's not over. You have a hope and you have a future. And it's a co-constructed story. You don't have to come up with the ending yourself. Our story basically goes, and everyone's story is like this to some extent or another, my life was a mess, dot, 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 and then I found Jesus, dot, 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 this is where I am now. That's a testimony. And your testimony is powerful. Your story is powerful. Your story changes lives. See, the ellipsis covers you while not changing the original meaning of who you were called to be. Hope, possibility, rather than fear of the future, and we can anticipate that the best is yet to come. Because the best is always safe for last in the story. So this is what I wanted to talk about today, just really briefly. I'm only going to be like another five minutes, if that's okay. I'm definitely only going to be another five minutes. Your story matters. And the way that you tell your story matters. The things that you choose to highlight about your life matters. See, for a lot of us, a lot of us focus on the bad stuff in our stories. When actually it's not the fact that it's not so much that the, pre- like, if you look at, it's not so much the circumstances that are important, it's the fact that you were saved out of your circumstances that's important, yeah? And too often we focus on the bad stuff when actually we should focus on the fact that, man, we all had our mess and we were saved out of that mess, whatever it was. Anyway. It's good because this is either going really good or really bad. When I preach, well, it freaks me out because no one says anything. Okay. It's good. So your story is not over yet. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. For some of you, some of you have just shifted to Cromwell. Your story, this is a new chapter in your story. Your story is not over yet. It's going to be a good story. The great thing is, though, is that not only do we have our story, Thanks to the gospel, we actually get to tell other people that their story's not over yet. We're the ones that actually get to be, hey, man, your life might feel like a mess at the moment, but man, I've got the best news for you. I've got the, I've got the best thing for you. Maybe don't use my um, punctuation strategy. I, I want to tell you today, colon, dot, semicolon, dot, dot, dot. I mean, at least they're a linguistics major and they love that stuff. Like, jump on in there, feel free. We've got good news to share. And the thing is, is it's not just the gospel, it's the gospel according to you. So having known that then, here's our application. So if God chooses how to relate to us, how are we going to relate to other people? How are we going to relate to other people? Who will we choose to relate to? See, the thing is, is that um, Bob Goff, said this. Jesus spent his whole life engaging with people most of us have spent our whole lives trying to avoid. Jesus spent his whole life engaging with people most of us have spent our whole lives trying to avoid. So how would that change if we choose to relate to the hurt? We choose to relate to the broken. We choose to relate to those that are lost. If we find people in a mess... If we find people at the end of their tether, if we find people where they're at the point where they're just ready to put a full stop, that's it. We actually get to be part of turning people's full stops, their mess, their black dot, their hole, 
into a bit then, or an even so, or an and suddenly, or a but God, or and it's not over yet. See, um, a guy that I really respect, a guy called Shane Willard, he talks about, he has this phrase which I really, really love, and it's, don't ever underestimate what someone else's story might become. See, the thing is, is quite often when you come in at the start of someone's story, it's going to be messy. It's going to look ugly. It's going to be jagged. There's going to be words coming out of that person's mouth that you might not have heard in church before. <laughs> Hopefully. But the thing is, is that's just the beginning of their story. And if you're willing to be part of their story, you can actually help them to rewrite their story. You can help them to change the end it. We all have our stuff. We all have our thorn. We've all had our sticking point. We all have our pain points. We all have the holes that we fall down, the full stop. Looks like a hole. We've tried it our way, and our way leads to, well, my way led to chaos. My way led to me being, like, if I, if I lived the life the way that I choose to live my life or the way that my parents had chosen me, you know, if I just modelled my life around how other people had done it, I'd still be in Matara. Um, I'd be about 200 kgs. Um, I'd have three different Xbox consoles, probably. I'd have fried chicken just right here and here and actually all in here. <laughs> this is actually salad. This is a salad stomach. I don't know if you, you knew that or not. We actually turn, get to turn people's full stops into semicolons. Um, the Bible puts it this way. Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16. I've used the message version. Here's another way to put it. Okay, good. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. This is a message version. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a, hillstop, uh, on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine, shine, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. See, we're hope givers. See, the thing is, is we know that God can redeem people's stories because he redeemed ours. Like he did. Isaiah 59 verse 1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. See, if he can save you from your stuff, if he can turn your full stop into a semicolon, he can, he can do that for anyone. He can do that for literally anyone. So people that you've stopped believing for, you can start believing for again. People that you think it's hopeless, their, their situation is irredeemable, Man, it's okay to start walking towards those messes. I, I want to encourage you to walk towards those messes. It might make your story a bit messier for a while, but that's okay. You have permission to do that. You don't need my permission. Actually, that's a dumb thing to say. And so you get to be part of continuing someone's story. So how are you going to help other people write their stories? How are you going to encourage them? How are you going to lift them up? How are you going to be uh, light bringers and hope bringers? So, 
The bad thing about good preaching is that if you say it's good preaching, it's probably not. The bad thing about preaching, particularly with an application, is that you have to do something about it. Like you hear the word and you know that, it's, you know that you've been taught or you know that you've been challenged because you can't stay the same. So knowing what we know now, knowing that you're a part of telling a whole heap of people's stories, knowing what you know now, how are you going to respond? What are you going to do? What are you going to start doing? What are you going to stop doing? What are you going to keep doing? We've actually got a really great opportunity over the next few weeks. It's the... It's actually one of the few times of the year that everyone's really keen to hear at least part of the gospel. Like, have you noticed that the, the Christmas story, the nativity story, there's never an argument about whether we should tell that or not. Like, it's just part and parcel of what we do. You know, up north, people are losing their minds over Maldi Santa. Like, what the flip? <laughs> that's a whole nother, That's a whole other sermon. That's awesome. Why the heck not Māori Santa? But actually, for us, it's a, a story about a Middle Eastern man that came and changed our world. So this is my encouragement to you guys over the next few weeks. And I guess it's, a, it's, a, it's really a catalyst or a start for from, this, from now on. Because the thing is, is that when you decide to change something... You want to keep it going. It's not just for a season. But I guess the question that I wanted to ask you guys is how... Oh, no, not question. It's a statement. How you tell the story of Christmas determines how people see Jesus in their stories today. How you tell the story of Christmas determines how people see Jesus in their stories today. I thought it was super clever putting that on its side and making it look like Christmas trees. Um, I think it was just a 12 o'clock decision that seems kind of dumb now, but I, I like it. So my encouragement for you guys is is that your story is powerful. Your story is worth telling. So learn to tell your story well. Amen.